Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Three, four years ago, we used to say Denver is oversaturated, but you can find a good deal. It's an intersection-specific play. It's a convenience play. So if you find the right intersection in an oversaturated market, you can do very well. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. And today we have Ben Lapidus with us. Ben, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Ben is a partner and the chief financial officer for Spartan Investment Group, LLC, where he has applied his finance and business development skills to acquire the company's current portfolio, build the corporate finance backbone for the firm, and organize hundreds of millions of debt capital. Ben is also the founder and host of the National Best Ever Real Estate Investing Conference and managing partner of Indigo Ownerships, LLC, where he sponsored 40-plus single-family and multifamily real estate transactions. Ben, you were just telling me you put together a pretty big deal here just last month. Why don't we start there? What do you got going on right now? Sure. So Spartan is a self-storage development and syndication company. We focus all of our energy on self-storage assets. We've had a pretty big breakout year. We went from 13 operations to 51 operations this year. We 5 x our acquisition takedown. We 8 x our revenue. We 6 x our employee headcount. And that was kind of capstoned with a $100 million portfolio, 18 properties in Texas. The day before Thanksgiving, we finally closed. A $100 million total project cost, almost a $60 million loan. That's exciting. That's a lot of big numbers. You got a lot yeah. going on. It sounds like explosive growth for Spartan. Talk me through that. That's just in the past year, those numbers. Yeah, that was one deal, the $100 million deal, but we did $260 million of takedowns this year. Gotcha. That $260 million, how many deals is that? 12 transactions. Gotcha. 
That's exciting stuff. Tell me, with this $100 million portfolio, you said it's in Texas? Yep, the $100 million portfolio is in Texas. It's all around the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Tyler, Texas. Awesome. I assume these deals came from brokers. Have you found that particular broker relationships have been more fruitful for you than others? For sure. Not all of our deals have come from brokers. Some have been direct sellers, but yes, in the storage industry, it's a little bit different than multifamily. There are more multifamily brokers in Dallas-Fort Worth than there are storage brokers in the U.S. So you want to build strong relationships with all of them. And I mean that very literally, all of them. But yes, there are some that we tend to find that our transaction methods and our values for doing business match their values for doing business more so than others. That's awesome. So this $100 million portfolio, tell me more about what makes it so exciting aside from just the size. Well, we're excited about the opportunity to execute Spartan's business plan, our standard kind of bread and butter business plan, which is to identify self-storage assets that have existing cash flow, but extra land and market conditions that allow us to expand with low risk so that we can take advantage of the cash flow from our existing structures, build new cash flow on top of the vacant land and allow the, the cash flow from the existing supply, the existing structures to cover the debt service on the expansion so that we can essentially have the margins of a ground up development with the risk profile of a cash flowing asset. So we have in this 18 property portfolio, five assets that we're planning on expanding right away, but 11 of them can be expanded. Six of them we did not believe were quite prime for expansion quite yet, but there's at least five assets that we can expand on. Typically also in self-storage, we have 30-day lease cycles as opposed to 12-month lease cycles in multifamily or three to 10-year lease cycles in office industrial retail. So we're able to push rents very quickly. And on average, we've been pushing 15 to 20% in collections in nine months. So wow. we can take 100000 of rents and push it to $115,000, $120,000 of rents in about nine months. So we're excited about the opportunity to do that. We've also popped these 18 assets down on top of pre-existing portfolio of about 12 assets that we already had in the area. So we're really excited about the economies of scale and the economies of scope that can be achieved by adding these new assets and new team members in the region. So you'll have 30 sites in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Mm -hmm. Is there a sense that there's a certain critical mass, a percentage of the market share or something like that, that gives you more control over what self-storage looks like in Dallas-Fort Worth? Absolutely. There's more self-storage facilities in the United States than McDonald's, Burger King's, Starbucks, all combined, all three of those wow. combined. So there's over 50,000 self-storages knocking on the door of 60,000 self-storage facilities in the U.S. So it's really difficult to take over markets like DFW. However, in Tyler, Texas, where the population is 150,000 people, we just added our fifth facility and we're looking to have more. So we're going to be the largest owner operator in Tyler, Texas and the most sophisticated operator, which is great for search engine results and for competitive landscapes. We anticipate being the highest profitability operator in the region of Tyler, Texas. So it's, it's easier to take over a market like Tyler, Texas or Chattanooga, Tennessee or Bentonville, Arkansas than say a DFW or a Denver or Seattle. But yes, there is a way to hit critical mass in some of these markets. Gotcha. You have a value-added business model. I don't know if value-added is the term that you're going to use. You said you're looking for ground-up development type deals, but with cash-flowing asset financial structures. 
Do you see more opportunity in larger metro areas where you have vast competition or is it the Tyler Texas's that give you a better opportunity to do that? So right now our investment thesis is focused on secondary markets and suburbs of primary markets. We're not interested as much in competing with REITs. So if I'm in Atlanta proper, I'm competing with 92% of my competition is going to be REITs. Companies like Extra Space, CubeSmart, U-Haul, Public, Prime Storage, Storage Mart, the last two being privately owned companies. But these are the top 10 largest operators in the world of self-storage. And the majority of them are publicly traded and they have access to much cheaper capital than us. And we would lose in a price war. And that happened during COVID times. We owned a mall conversion in Fort Worth, Texas proper, like downtown Fort Worth. And it was a mall that is still in the process of being revitalized into different utility, pre-existing purpose. And across the street was an extra space. A mile north was an extra space. A mile south was an extra space. And something like 87% of the square footage in a 15-minute drive radius was re-managed. And when COVID happened, extra space said, we're cutting all rates nationwide by 50%. Not the most intelligent play for all of their assets. They had assets that were 99% full that went to 98.5% occupancy that they still slashed rates 50% on, which didn't make any sense, but that was still a policy they did. And so across the street where they had 99.6% occupancy, they slashed their rates 50% for six months. And we invested a ton of money into search engine optimization, which is a typical playbook strategy that, that usually works. And in Fort Worth, it wasn't working because extra space is spending a whole lot more. So we tend to avoid heavy read competition areas and focus more on secondary markets. And, and that's a fear-based strategy, but the winning strategy that accompanies that is these REITs don't really have the attention and, and capacity to take down $5 million assets in a Tyler, Texas. They do, however, have the capacity to take down a billion dollar portfolio. So we're seeing a cap rate arbitrage between a $10 million transaction and a $1 billion transaction with exactly the same operational structure, the same avatar of of ownership. So you could buy a $10 million deal at a 5.5 cap and see the exact same billion dollar portfolio that's just comprised of 100 $10 million assets trade at a 3.75 or a four or four and a quarter cap rate without changing anything to the operation, doing zero value add, zero rent pushes. So we're seeing an arbitrage play by a portfolio composition of concentrating our assets in secondary markets where we're the largest operator because it allows the top 10 ownership groups to get in at scale. So our portfolio thesis is to build a one to $2 billion portfolio concentrated in these secondary markets that are attractive to allow one of our big brother competitors to enter that market by buying our portfolio, if we choose to let that happen. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive 
Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. So it sounds like you've found, maybe not a niche, but you have found a property size or an asset size that really works well for you guys. There's probably a limit where something is too small to make sense for you, but you have an upper limit where you don't want to be competing with REIT money that can handle those three caps. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, what you guys are doing is amassing portfolios from smaller properties to get them to the size that REIT money becomes interested in them and you're able to sell them at a severely compressed cap rate? That's right. And we're often repositioning these assets too. We'll take over something that looks like a dog from an owner operator that wasn't interested in investing in deferred maintenance. We'll refresh it. We'll push rents 20% in the first year, even if there is no expansion potential on the asset. And just the aesthetic appearance makes the coastal money more attractive to the asset just by swapping out the first impression on the frontage, which also improves our ability to increase rents because tenants show up and they say, oh, this looks nice. It looks safe. It looks secure. looks well-managed and taken care of. A little easier to do that with self-storage than it is with apartments, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Gotcha. Do you see this business plan, this skill set that you all have put together in self-storage? Do you see it translating to other asset classes? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We don't consider ourselves to be self-storage operators. We barely consider ourselves to be real estate investors. We consider ourselves to be students of business operations and to combine our unique competencies as a team and deploy them under a strategic thinking planning process that allows us to attack any business challenge. So we just happen to have decided, have landed on self-storage today because that looks like the best opportunity in front of us, but we can take our business operation and mold it into any other asset class, really any other business model inside of the investing landscape. Gotcha. Ben, you're a friend of the show. You've been on the podcast a few times now, I believe, and people know you from the Best Ever Conference, but I don't know that you've been on the podcast since COVID became a pandemic. How has COVID impacted the demand and possibly the supply of self-storage in America? Yeah. In the reverse way from what you'd think, it's made everything a lot more attractive and a lot more lucrative in self-storage. So COVID became the highest performing asset class in commercial real estate outside of data centers. And after about a year, it even surpassed data centers. So self-storage. This is is self-storage during COVID? This is self-storage during COVID. I made mention of the first six months, how in primary markets, it got really competitive as everybody kind of waited and buckled down for, quote, shit to hit the fan but it didn't. So there was more new self-storage built between, I want to say 2015 and 2020 than the previous 30 years of the industry combined. So in that five-year period, a massive amount of new self-storage came to the market. 
peaking in Q3 of 2018 is when construction completions peaked. And so everybody anticipated it was going to take three, four, five years for all this new supply to get incorporated into society. There was even an asset in Denver that was selling for 40 cents on the dollar that nobody purchased. A year later, it went back on the market for two and a half X and it got taken down within a month. So in Denver, it was probably the second most concerning city in terms of oversaturation of new storage supply, but all of the new supply got eaten up. The demand was there to match it in about a year, year and a half, more than twice as fast as the best predictions. Consequently, rents nationwide increased from June of 2020 to June of 2021 by 12%, while occupancy went up by 4.6%. So just massive rent growth over the year. And new construction has gotten more difficult. Wood skyrocketed, metal tripled in costs, labor went up 20% all in about a year. So our construction for a flat graded site in Texas went from about 40 bucks a foot for climate control, single story buildings to about 60 bucks a foot climate control, single story buildings. So 50% increase in overall costs, which is just nuts. It's making new construction more difficult. It's making markets like Tyler, Texas, where the rents are lower than DFW, almost impossible to build new in unless the rents are increased. And that's what started to happen because there's no additional supply and there's this great migration pattern happening of people moving to Tyler, Texas. Rents are increasing as occupancy increases. It's making the identification of assets much simpler. You know, three, four years ago, we used to say Denver is oversaturated, but you can find a good deal. It's an intersection specific play. It's a convenience play. So if you find the right intersection in an oversaturated market, you could do very well. Today, it's not as necessary. Almost every intersection is either neutral or slightly undersupplied, as opposed to a couple of years ago, we assessed it to be oversupplied. So there's more opportunity out there. The ride, the wave of self-storage is not over. More than $40 billion of dry powder has entered the space in the last year and a half. Blackstone, KKR, Brookfield have all gotten into the business. Bill Gates and Singapore Sovereign Wealth Funds just funded Storage Mart. Prime Storage just launched another $3 billion fund that they just finished raising. So there's just so much dry powder. Public storage sat and waited for about three or four years without buying anything. And they took down $2 billion portfolios this year. So it's just a massive shift in the last year for storage and cap rates have compressed despite interest rates going up. That's a lot of great information, Ben. A couple of things you said during covid your cost to build went from $40 a foot to $60 a foot. That's a 50% increase. And what is the rent growth during that same period? Is it proportional? No, 12%. Okay. And that's 12% in Tyler, Texas, as well as Dallas, Fort Worth? No, it varies entirely. So Yardi is the number one data provider of nationwide shifts, macroeconomic shifts and self-storage. And I don't remember the number one city, but I remember the number two city on their top 25 list was Atlanta, and it had 24% rent growth. So it's all over the place, but on average, it's 12%. In Tyler, Texas, like I said, we're finding ourselves pushing collections by 15 to 20% in the first nine months of almost every asset that we're buying, whether it's Georgia or Texas or Colorado or Wisconsin or anywhere else that we're buying. But a lot of those assets that we're buying have rents that were under market even a year ago. So it's difficult to tell exactly based off of our own acquisitions. And Tyler, Texas is not a metro that you already measures, but at least 12% in Tyler, Texas. So for someone who wants to get into self-storage now, end of 2021, early 2022, you're describing compressing cap rates, 
increase construction costs outpacing rent growth, although the rent growth is solid. Where do you see opportunity for someone who wants to get into the self-storage game now? It's fairly difficult. (laughs) Well, let me ask, Ben, is there a property that is too small for you and your team? You guys play underneath the quote unquote big money. Are there people who can get into a space underneath you and still get really good returns? For sure. We typically look for assets that can generate at least a quarter million dollars a year in revenue. So we, we do own a few that are smaller, maybe they do $100,000, $150,000 in revenue, but there's expansion potential and we know that they can, can improve there. So if you have a 20,000 square foot asset in Harlingen, Texas or in T, South Dakota, it's not really a place that groups like myself or the big REITs are going to identify as an acquisition target. There are some groups our size that do go after assets like that, like KO Storage is very good at operating in rural areas with smaller purchase prices. But for the most part, groups like ours don't attack those. So yeah, a 20,000 square foot asset that's generating $100,000 in revenue, there's just not enough revenue there to support the overhead, the costs to operate it the way that we like to operate it from a centralized location in Denver. So if you're right around the corner, you could end up doing very well and have a very lucrative business operation. Just know that it's not just buying passive real estate. It is a business operation that does require a time investment and does have a burden of ownership, just like any other real estate. It is more hands-on than retail or office, but not as hands-on as multifamily or mobile home parks. To that point, Ben, it's not as management intensive as multifamily or mobile home parks. How big does a self-storage facility need to be to justify a full-time employee on site? Brings up another can of worms conversationally about where the industry is going to a contactless experience, which is more efficient from a cost standpoint. But right now, we typically target $200,000, $250,000 in revenue is our minimum, what we're looking for to support our operational model, which does include somebody on site. And that typically is around 35,000 square feet in a market like Florida, or maybe as much as 45,000 feet in Gary, Indiana. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year, whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals? I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility within the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract. And she partnered with two other deal maker mentoring students, and together they raised seven hundred thousand dollars. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year, and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word Joe to six six eight six six. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J O E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals. 
if you're like most real estate investors because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. You think there's opportunity for people who want to get into self-storage? It sounds like if they're willing to own or operate, it's smaller than that space. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like the opportunity you guys are taking advantage of is buying the assets smaller than what the REITs are interested in in order to do some construction, do some new development and some building a portfolio of assets in an area large enough that the buyers at the lower cap rates will be interested in buying it from you at a multiple of what you've got in it. Yeah. And one clarification there is that we do have some assets that the REITs would love. They're beautiful assets, $15, $20 million, but they're in markets that the REITs aren't already in. So it's it's more of the scale inside that market that's too small. Gotcha. They need scale. So you are bundling scale for them Mm -hmm. to sell it to them at a multiple of what it took to do it. Exactly. What is your best ever advice? Best ever advice is to focus on people's whys and then to identify who have whys that complement your why, but have different competencies to support you. I think everybody focuses too much on the how. There's a great book, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. And there's a great book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And when you combine those two together, they are magical. Identify people's whys and incentivize them and empower them to achieve their why by making them your who to achieve your mission and your why. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Ben, are you ready for a lightning round? Let's do it. Awesome. What is your best ever way to give back? Right now, I'm 100% concentrated on scaling our business and we're trying to create a great place to work. Our big, hairy, audacious goal in progress, so it might change, but our big, hairy, audacious goal in progress is to create wealth for every Spartan and 100,000 active investors at Spartan Investment Group. So the creating wealth for every Spartan component is where I'm most concentrated, creating a great place to work. And we've grown to 70 employees and we're targeting 300 in the next year or so. So identifying where we can improve the lives of our people, that's where I'm currently focused. I'd like to broaden that scope as I age in life. Right now, I want to stay very, very focused on my team. That's awesome. What is the best ever book you've recently read? 
Oh, man, I'm going to be a little bit off the beaten path, but Carlo Rovelli is an Italian physicist that specializes in gravitational loop theory, and he has made gravitational physics accessible to the layman like me who's never taken a physics course, and it's changed my entire concept about time and space and purpose of life and just physics has become my new religion. So I think that everybody should be a student of quantum particle gravitational physics because it is the most interesting subject matter in the human experience. <laughs> Now, Ben, do you see direct correlation between what you're learning, reading about gravitational loop theory from Carlo Rovelli and what you're doing with real estate? Yes. People ask me that all the time. They're like, why are you concentrated on that? And I think that too much of us in the business world focus on business books, self-help books, psychology books. And I've done a ton of reading on leadership in the last couple of years as we've grown our team. But when you're a leader, you have to start thinking about different psychology and philosophy of conversations and interactions. So now you start studying things like stoicism and nihilism and different ways of, of holding yourself and interacting with others. And then you kind of think about like, why be a stoic? What's the purpose of life behind that? And so gravitational physics helps give me a grounded sense of reality as I explore different philosophical postures in my interactions and expand my emotional intelligence to be a leader with my people. And that's all helping coagulate our team to drive in a particular mission, in a particular direction. So it doesn't help me be a better investor. I read The Economist. I read The Wall Street Journal. I'm a student of economics. That's a different subject matter. But in building a team and leading them, I'm way too introspective and, and way too cerebral to just say, do this thing. I expect you to do it. I have to understand the why behind all of my individuals, what motivates them. I have to understand the why behind myself. How do I optimize my own energy flow throughout the day? How do I not get decision fatigue? So I read Marcus Aurelius and I don't know, I'm blanking on other philosophers, but I, I read those Lucia books. Seneca, maybe? Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Thank I'm a you. philosophy nerd too. <laughs> uh, and, and Let's dive back reading. into the lightning round, Ben. Okay, what's the yeah. most money you've ever lost on a deal? The most money I've ever lost on a deal was two flips in the Chicagoland area for about $180,000. Those are single family flips? Single family flips. Yeah. Not a great gotcha. solo flipper. Gotcha. What about the most money you've made on a deal? The deal's not over yet, but $24 million. Talk about that. That's the money you'll make on a deal you're doing now? Yeah. So on a $100 million portfolio, we might generate $4 million of revenue in our first year, which we did, and anticipate $20 million of upside to our ownership group after hitting all of our return targets and beyond for our investors. A second What's deal would be- What's the whole period on that? Five years, a better option. We built a mobile home park in Squim, Washington. Started in February of last year, we purchased the land. We just got our CFO last year and we're under contract to sell it in two weeks. We're more than double our cost basis. So we're generating about $13 million of upside. Awesome, what does that return look like for your investors? So Spartan's going to earn a couple of million dollars on that, but our investors are getting a 175% return in about 18 months, approximately. Wow, that's awesome. Where can people get in touch with you, Ben? Ben at Spartan-Investors.com or Ben at BestEverConference.com. Yeah, the Best Ever Conference is coming up soon. We are soon going to release an episode exclusively about the experience of the Best Ever Conference. So we'll get into that more here soon. But for today, Best Ever listeners, we hope you have a Best Ever day. Ben Lapidus, thank you again for all of the insight you've given to us. And we will see you again tomorrow.